Um, so just on that, today we'll be talking about womanhood. What is a woman? What is the role of a woman? So if you're joining us for the first time, um, we've been on a series within a series called Beautiful by Design. So we're basically looking at the intended design when God created everything. So we, we started at the beginning when God created everything and we moved to where God created man and gave him a function and a purpose. Uh, and today we'll be looking at womanhood. I must say that by no means I have acquired knowledge, experience um, and what really is a, a woman. So I'm coming before you with great humility and my always says some things I don't say the way I'm supposed to say. So when that happens, please um, forgive me. And the good stuff that comes out of the message, please bring glory to God. So we are going to pray, um, then we, we are going to go pray. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you very much. We thank you for creating us in your image. Unlike any other thing that you created, you created specifically us, men and women, to reflect your majesty, your glory, splendor in all of creation and this morning lord we just wish to just give glory to you and praise you lord and pray that as we are about to hear from your word you may you may open our hearts father that we we really get what you intended when you created us and specifically this morning a woman lord we we pray against all the schemes of the devil that always um, distract us from hearing from you, from loving you, and Lord, we just pray through your Holy Spirit that you can open our hearts this morning and we can receive your message, and and even if it's challenging, Lord, but help us to accept this, this is your word, and because your word gives life, your word is life, and we want to be transformed every day and to be like you, Lord. So Lord, take this time, and Holy Spirit, bring, bring glory to your son teaches us again and again. For the glory of your son. Amen. So most of us in this time, we live or either we are live in the world of media or we are affected by the world of media. And it goes without mentioning that media influences us big time. And the, the sad part is that even the influence of media has even creeped into the church. So you look at shows like Ellen, and, and I think some of you might be watching Ellen. Some of you might have listened to Destiny's Child song called Independent Women. Um, you think of favorite female um, characters um, like Beyonce. You, you think of TV series like Modern Family, Scandal, How to Get a Away with Murder. And the list just goes on and and on. So in this whole influence, it just leaves women with two options how to live. One is either to be a doormat or to be dominant. And and when a woman refuses to be dominant, our society, our culture, the way we live, 
ticket remained as a loser or ticket remained as a social outcast, you are missing out. You were supposed to be dominant. But we've seen the past few weeks, and especially when we looked at men and women being created in the image of God, that God had a different intent. He created a man specifically to be a man and gave him a role. And it's not surprising that when he created Eve, he was also intentional and he gave Eve a role. So we saw last week when we looked at manhood that man, uh, God created man and gave him the role to nourish for, to provide for, to protect against, and also to play and thrive. All these workout in the family, in the community, and uh, among the spheres of work and, and friendships. So I, this morning, I just want us to begin with this lie that women have two options, either to be dormant or dominant. By looking at a very old video clip, which was um, acted by Becky Hutton and Howard Keel, called Anything You Can Do, can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can shoot a partridge with a single cartridge. I can get a sparrow with a bow and arrow. I can live on bread and cheese. And only on Yes. So can a rat. Any notes you can reach, I can go higher. I can sing anything higher than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. 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 No, you can't. But the implication of this, it's, it's basically creating this lie that between men and women, there's a competition that is existing. Of which, of course, is not true. That's why she's saying, what you can do, man, I can do even better. Because there's a belief that there's a competition between us. So this spirit of competitiveness between male and female, some would say comes from radical feminism, right? And some would say, well, it comes from the liberation of women. But neither of these are true. This lie came from the very beginning at the heart of Eve in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent came into the garden, I told Eve, in verse chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent says, did God actually say? You know, when someone says that, already what that person is doing is invoking doubt. So in these words alone, Eve started to ponder about it. And you can tell from her answer that she gives that she was either beginning to consider 
but the lie is true or already she already considered it so in his in, in his heart he probably he was kind of feeling like god might be keeping something good from me that that was the lie supposed to make her to think or feel then she responds in in verse 3 uh, and she says this is it she says god says we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but god says we shall not eat of it or we shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither you shall touch it lest you die so i, I just want us to quickly compare the words of god and the words of the woman so this is in genesis 62 verse 16 to 17 genesis 3 2 to 3 and genesis 2 to 9 two things i want to say look at what god said god was specific about which fruit right there were which trees there were two trees in the midst uh, of the garden uh, as you can see in verse 9 it says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so when god said you shall not eat of the tree of good and, and evil he was specific he didn't just say do not eat of the tree which is in the midst of the garden and secondly god never mentioned anything about touching it because god put man and woman in the garden to look to work it and keep it probably as part of cleaning around removing the leaves they could be touching the tree god never said you shall not touch it god said you shall not eat of it so you can tell from the doubt that already eve is pondering on something real so what the serpent was offering eve was what we call a kind of god likeness right the serpent said if you eat of this tree you'll be like god but isn't amazing us that when god created eve didn't he create her in her image that already by design god created eve to be like her to reflect him so this kind of Godlikeness is not the kind of godliness that God has intended from creation. So I don't know really a person that really longs for something that he already has. How do you call that person? Except I'll use the word childish. Because if you take a child into a toy shop and the child sees the toy that he already has, he'll cry for it. Because child can recognize it and want it now but the child already has it at home but of course this god likeness is not definitely not what god has intended to give men and women this is the kind of god of god likeness of just becoming god of your own or god your own so it's basically putting god away from his role in your life and stepping in because you believe you can do a better job. So in verse 4 in chapter 3, you see that it says, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So this offer for Eve was irresistible. That I'll be like God. In a sense that I'll be God myself. So we, we, we get to look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for, for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the, the tree was desired to make one wise. Can you see those words? Good for food, delight to the eyes, desired to make one wise. Already, the woman was already feeling that this is a good alternative from what God has given me. So that word there, wise, has so much in it. The Hebrew word for it contains a much broader meaning of imprudent being intelligent, successful, prosperous. All the things that the women are aspiring for are always had because God had a relationship with them. So Eve was believing that what I'm going to get is what God is basically keeping from me. But because she had a relationship with God, she had all these things. So then it continues in verse 6. It says, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her friend who was with her and ate. And we saw last week as we looked at manhood that at this time, Adam failed to act in his role as a man. To nourish, protect, plan, and provide for Eve. Now, this is the truth about all kind of temptations. We all struggle with temptations every day. But there's one fundamental truth about it. When you give into the lie, or when you adopt the lie to live according to it, there's a cost. So the devil offers to give you something, but he doesn't tell you what he, he paid it. Let me just put that up again. For every lie that you believe and live according to, there's a cost to it. There's something that you are giving away when you believe the lie and live according to it. So Eve believed the lie of getting this godlikeness in a way that she didn't have before. But she didn't wait and ponder what she was going to lose by believing this lie. In Genesis 3.17, we get the first thing that she loses. It says, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves clothes. So the, the first thing that, one of the things that she lost was her shamelessness of her nakedness. Believe the lie, live according to it, and she realized that it was a lie. Then she, she, she then acquired shame and guilt, and this is where we see where the shame 
potential, the guilt that probably most women will struggle with and have to try every day to cover themselves. But I want to say something that in all the guilt that one can struggle with, there is good news, um, as we'll see just now in Matthew uh, 11, verse 28, where Jesus speaks and he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the man that came down and at the cross he was stripped naked. He was being scoffed, mocked, and he was shamed in every way. And it was at the cross where he took all of our shame that both men and women so that we don't have to carry it every day. Now, there's this kind of shame that you do not know what to do with it, who to talk to. And the good news is that when Jesus came, he nailed that shame on the cross so that we don't have to carry it. And the invitation is, when you believe in him, he carries your shame and he gives you his yoke, which he says is lighter so that you don't have to live in shame and guilt for the rest of your life. And the second thing, she loses her complementary relationship with her husband. Look at verse 16. When God, after they've sinned, God comes and administers judgment or curses upon the man, the woman, and the serpent. And to the woman, he says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So the beautiful relationship that she had with her husband, she also took it off, and she began in the lie. Now, this is what God says will happen. Now, a woman will try to control, dominate, and diminish her husband. But as we saw in the video clip with Amy, that's where it comes from, that what you can do, I can do even better. It's that idea of trying to dominate, control, and diminish your husband. But Eve will not succeed in any way because God has ordained in creation and design that men should lead. And she's even cursed that whenever she tries to dominate her husband, her husband will react sinfully and rule over her. God, in his greatest mercy, tries to restore what was broken. Now, if this is a lie, what was then the intended design when God created women. So we know the role of a woman is equally important as that one of a man. 
not equal in the roles are the same, but equal in importance. Because Adam couldn't place and carry everything that God has designed him to do, but when he brought Eve together, they will flourish and fulfill all that God has mandated and what he has also promised. So the fact that the roles are not the same, that doesn't mean that the role of a woman is below that of a man. So we can say that Adam and Eve both were given the mandate to have dominion over creation. Both. Not just women. So the outward of working of this is very different. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2 just to unpack and see how Eve comes into the story. In, in, in verse 18, we see a very remarkable thing. Just what also Oji reflected on earlier on. God saying, there's something that is not clear here. It says there that the Lord God said, it is not good for the, that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And this is unbelievably important because in the whole of creation, there's no place where God says there's something which is not right. It's the first time that God has been creating something. He says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But now we see him saying it's not good. So Professor Tashito paints this beautifully, uh, uh, very beautifully when he says the not good here is a strong language. It indicates not only the absence of something good, but a substantial deficiency. The observation and declaration of Adam's needs is all God. God did not consult Adam. Indeed, Adam may not have had the idea that it was not good for him to be alone. He may not even have known that he was alone. Remember, he was in Eden with every beautiful provision his heart could desire, including a whole zoo of pets that adored him as their ruler. God was not responding to a complaint by Adam. Not good was God's sovereign unilateral or independent assessment. Perhaps since God is plural and Adam was created in the image, the image demanded plurality. So God was not shocked that Adam was going to be alone. He knew, but he was just saying it's the right time for Eve to come into the picture because God created humanity in his image for him and for one another, not to be in isolation because God himself is not in isolation. So there we see that there's an amazing wonder about the woman. The fact that God took some time to ponder in designing women, this tells us that there's so much dignity that is bestowed upon a woman. And all the creation 
Adam says we could not find one that is like him. And then God comes and brings Eve and make her also in his image. So when he did that, he designated a specific role for a, a woman to, to carry. But of course, which is different from the one of a man. So the, the clarifying and the flourishing of all things was much more a specific role, not only for Adam, not for Eve, but for both of them. So he's given the word helper. So our society has diminished this word and belittled it, but that shouldn't be the case. The Hutsi word for helper is Eva. It is the same word that God uses when he comes to help Israel. It's the same word we see in Exodus 18, Deuteronomy 13, and 1st Samuel 7. When God comes, Israel is having a crisis and he helps. It's the same word that God uses when he aids his nation Israel against their enemies. In Psalm 20, Psalm 121, and Psalm 124. And Moses even referred to God as his helper when God delivered him from Pharaoh. So by no means a helper or a woman should be a weak person in any stretch of imagination. So if this is the role of God and he chooses the word helper to address a woman, then surely a woman is not weak as he has made women to be in our culture. So Ava describes the aspects of God's character. She is our strength, our rescuer, our protector, and our help. And Ava was the Holy Spirit's choice of a word to describe the woman. Listen to this. Eve was someone who would provide valuable and vital strength in assisting Adam, the man, in flourishing, glorifying God. So the term helper does not mean below at all. Jesus Christ, in fact, uses a good equivalent term for helper when he talks about the Holy Spirit that was going to come and help the believers after he had ascended to heaven. So how could a woman then be weak or be considered to be weak? Unfortunately, so many people have just presumed that the woman's role was to be below that of a man. These people have either read Genesis with a very narrow mind or they just failed to see the wonderful expression of the equality, the affinity, and the unity in the passage that we just read. What God had made in the woman was beautiful and amazing with tremendous function, making her indispensable. It's not that what a, a woman, a man can do, a woman can do even better. But it's what a man lacks, a woman would bring in. And that just makes women to be indispensable. Because a, ma a, a man cannot flourish 
Neither a woman there. That's why the two reach each other. It's by design. So how could we receive the way of a, a woman in our society? Wh one of the writers, um, Yanni Aslan, in her book called Fearlessly Feminine, this is what she says. She's a woman, right? And she writes to other women. She says, we offer something to our culture that only feminine souls can contribute. Women have an ex extraordinary capacity for comforting others that, that arises from the uniquely feminine response of those around us. Our nurturing instincts bring sen sensitivity, courage, and warmth to relationships. Think of how dry and barren our homes, churches, and communities would be without feminine presence. Society needs us. So notice how the woman was made. We are back to Genesis chapter 2, verse, one, verse 21 to 23. So it reads, The Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took of his rib and closed up its, its filthy flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The rib. God chose the rib out of so many other things that he, he could choose. Not only the rib speaks of the intimacy that God wanted us to experience with women, but it tells us of a, another tremendous thing about the rib itself. What does it do? It protects the most delicate in internal organs, right? So the most delicate part of our body, the rib, shields and protects self-sufficiency. So when God took that rib and made it into a woman, there's so much that he was saying about the way of a woman. As I've said before, the woman, if that's the case, cannot be as weak as we portray them to be. Because if you think of the rib, having checked all the pulses, the pulses, in order to protect what's more delicate, then how can it be weak? I, I cannot emphasize the importance of the uniqueness of the role of a woman. It, it's all there, as we said, in the narrative of creation. But now, how do we bridge the gap of the lies that the society that also is believed to what God has really intended. The Lord God, if you read in verse 15, verse 14 to 16, it says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts 
of the show. And all your babies are gold. And dust and you shall eat all the days of your life. Then he comes to verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So what we are having here is an astounding gospel prophecy. Because in the curse that God put on the snake, on the serpent, and to the woman, there's so much gospel and grace that is in there. God promised that an offspring, did you bring that, did you realize that an offspring, that a single person, will come out of the woman and will crush the head of the serpent. But the serpent will bruise his heel. And as most of you will know, this offspring is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He was born of a woman. And at the cross, that, that's where we see his heel being crushed as he's been scorned, been beaten. But through his death and glorious resurrection, he crushes the head of the snake and he becomes glorious and victorious. This is how the redeeming of the world of a woman can only come through. Through this one man who has defeated the lie and the consequences of that lie. That a woman can be restored when she has the correct and godly relationship with God. So all the guilt and shame that you might be carrying, as I've said before, at the cross, that's where God took that guilt to himself and he has nailed so that we don't have to carry it. So you will understand what it truly means and flourish in all the fullness of being a woman if you turn to Jesus and ask for his salvation. Because it is a lie that women have two options, whether to be a doormat or being feminine. God has created an amazing role of a, a woman to, to be sacrificial as we see from the role of the rib itself, to protect, to support, so that both men and women can flourish and can carry all the mandate that God has given them. So this is what I want to say to the ladies this morning. You are fearlessly and wonderfully made in all your glorious femininity. And God, when he created you, he had a purpose. And by no means a woman can be rich. Let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning. God, for reminding us that we, we thought we were sleeping with you because we've turned away from what you've designed us to be. And as we reflect upon the role of the woman today, Lord, we just thank you 
for reminding us that you, you didn't create the rich thing when you created a woman. You created a person with dignity, a person with a role, a person with so much significance in your creation. And that, Lord, you said it's not good for a man to be alone. So, Lord, we thank you and we just pray that you may renew our minds in the way that you diminish women in our society. And Lord, we just need to repent and pray that you may give us your heart, your mind, that as we live our lives, we may remember that women are sacrificial and important. And there's no way a man can flourish and have the dominion that you call us to have upon all the creation if he's alone. And that also women, by no means, they can carry what you've called us to do. Men and women both need each other because that is your design. That's the only way that you've intended it to be. So that we can reflect you that as you are the communion God and you create us out of that, that we can be also a community that loves each other, serves each other, and, and holds each other with high regard. And Lord, we just pray that this can really transform us because we, we want to be as you have intended us to be. So we pray this, Lord, and we pray that you can help us to do all these things for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, would you stand with us as we sing in response to the scriptures? Um, we're going to sing every version. I just encourage everyone to take a moment now to think about the reasons why you want a parable. Uh, the words are your, your prayers will ever be on your lips. However, in some songs, your prayers will be on your lips. And what's great about the song is that it describes different reasons why his prayers could be on your lips. So it talks about he's made a covenant with his people. There's faithfulness is made in your way. His kindness is, make, is made in your way. His shoulders are weakness. Our bones are described by his fingers that he knows all our frame by heart. And we can come to him boldly as a result of that. So I think just um, as the music is just playing, take a moment to think about the words, the kind of why did you want to pray for them? As we um, do this very difficult topic with beautiful Bible design, whether it be manhood or womanhood, I just pray that God would allow his spirit to work in our hearts to help us wrestle with the scriptures and to realize that he is good and he's made and he's done a beautiful thing. So as we wrestle with the scriptures, I pray that we would remind ourselves over and over and over why we pray, why he's good, why he's done all of these really amazing, beautiful things by design. So um, just take a moment, maybe think through the words of the song and think about why we're responding to the scriptures when we pray. Amen.
Lord, and one of the things that we see as we come, as we take fellowship with you, throughout you get benediction. Um, that's basically a good word, and the good word we find is from the Bible, which is the word of God. So I just want to read this passage for us, and it's in Colossians chapter 2, just verse 6 to verse 7. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So let's just hold our hands um, as I pray for us. Father, we thank you for your amazing word, and we know that it gives life. And we pray that this morning you can send us out into the world, powered by your spirit, that we may use what we've learned today and bring fruit in our lives and help us to, to live as the kind of women that you call us to be, 
and for men, Lord, to, to, to allow women to pray and to hold them in her honor. Lord, it is sacred for women to do that. So, Lord, we just pray that you may prepare the week ahead of us and that you may keep us safe and that, Lord, you may help us to glorify you. So we make your prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.